Hey everyone, this is Beth. And I'm Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. And it's our mission to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. So keep in mind, we're also on YouTube. Feel free to head on over. You can subscribe and you can see the video versions of this podcast as well as other great content that we're providing there. In this episode, we're continuing our series talking about animated movies. And this particular one, we're going to be talking about the Disney movie, Soul. Now, this was really important for Beth and I, particularly for Beth, in helping to communicate with me what she experiences when she goes down a shame cycle. There's one scene, and we're going to get to that. But before we begin, and Beth explains what that what it meant to her, uh, well, I'm going to offer you a little bit of summary uh, of the movie. The movie's about Joe, and Joe's a musician with a dream of becoming a professional jazz pianist. And after a few exciting opportunities, he gets an offer to play in a big gig with a well-known musician. He's so filled with excitement, he falls into a manhole. Poor guy. Um, he doesn't die, though, but the movie moves him to another place called The Great Beyond. Now, please understand We're not getting into the worldview of this movie and all the details of what worldview they're communicating. Um, We're just really building up to this one scene. So, but uh, he moves to the great beyond. He's not dead, uh, but he's kind of in a holding place. Uh, Doing his best trying to get back to Earth, uh, he finds himself in something that they call the great before. Now, in the movie, the great before is where souls gain their personalities and their interests. Now, here's the nod to the question of the movie, the question that Joe is asking, do I have a purpose and can I fulfill that purpose in being a jazz pianist? In The Great Before, there are mentors who help souls find their passion, what the movie calls spark. Then a soul gets its badge and can move into a body and move to earth. Now, Joe mistakenly becomes one of these mentors and to a particular soul, 22. Now, uh, how can Joe help someone else find their purpose when he hasn't been able to find his person? Well, that's the tension of the movie. And after a few attempts, nothing's working. And 22 can't seem to find her spark through the normal means, uh, just like other souls. So another character helps both Joe and 22 find their way to Earth to see uh, if that would help. And again, they face a problem. Uh, the souls go to the wrong body. So Joe embodies a cat and 22 embodies Joe. Joe. Now, 22 is experiencing life through the lens of Joe. Mm-hmm. And she is starting to connect with his friends and family. Now, there's this is tough because she's finding both her giftedness as well, as, but she's doing it in Joe's body. Yeah. And she's finding interest in her spark, but Joe is saying, oh, hey, wait a minute. Th- those are mine, not yours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so this becomes the crux of the movie is that mm. both of them are struggling with issues around shame and identity. Who am I? What is my value? 22 can't find her spark. And now Joe is giving her more negative messaging that she is picking up on and remembering. And because 22 can't find her spark, she begins to isolate herself. She runs away and becomes a lost soul. Mm. So there's a scene where Joe is chasing after her, but the harder he runs, the faster she runs away. You hear her repeat all of the negative messaging in her head. So she's recalling things that Joe has said to her and other people have said to her. And eventually she becomes a monster towards herself and towards Joe. 
And in order for Joe to connect with her, he's going to have to move into her shame storm. Mm-hmm. So, Beth, uh, mm-hmm. that's where we, we're we not going to give you the how things get resolved, but um, why was that so impactful for you? Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know, when we watched that movie and that scene came up, I just resonated so much with it and cried. And, um, and it was interesting because you didn't resonate with it, at least at that point, to the degree that I did. Um, but what I found was that that's what I experience in a very similar manner when I feel activated or triggered um, in a way that I'm not good enough. So in my own um, type nine mind, when certain false messages rise up to the surface and shame comes with it, I can spiral out or spin out into a very negative trajectory that has a very similar pattern. And that whole scene for me was like this perfect example of what I experienced. Now, uh, tell us a little bit more uh, about that because this is really important. And we're going to be very honest with people about our own shame cycles. Um, But number one, 22, you can hear her voice. Uh, statements like she's imagining Joe saying things, and Joe gets really big in yeah. this storm that she's in. Yeah. Um, it, well, he's there personally, but then in the storm, a storm-like figure that looks like Joe rises up. So it's not it's not him; it's a remembrance of something he said. And and that would be true of what for you. Yeah. Uh, so even in our marriage. I mean, 26 years of marriage, I've uh, not always 27. 27. What did I say? 26. 26. Um, we've worked for I, 27, so it's not. <laughs> yeah, we've dated. Well, yeah, I don't. I'm, I can't dig myself out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you remember me saying things, things that maybe I don't even remember me sure. saying. Yeah. And I am very big mm-hmm. in your head. Right. Those Those statements become very big. And. And it's a a form of trying to keep myself safe uh, by in a in an unhealthy way. My mind is thinking, "Oh, I need to remind you of the place you need to be in. You need to be quiet. You need to um, not show up. You need to not voice yourself. You don't really matter." So all the the false messages that a nine thinks and believes are true. These incidences rise up these false messages again to, quote unquote, put me in my place. Now, what's interesting as we've learned and we've grown in our own path, how much your the messages or the things that I thought were so big and like, let's say, hurtful or whatever, they the intentions behind them, the things that you were actually trying to say were not what I heard, what landed on my heart. And what landed on my heart was, or went into my ear, but then landed on this type nine heart was so different and uh, brought up those false messages in a way that, you know, sadly, you never thought or felt or intended. But I thought you were, I thought you were intending, I thought that's how you thought too, because, of course, everyone thinks that my presence matter, of course, everyone um, thinks I should be quiet or not present my gifts to the world. And so when you would say certain things, I assumed incorrectly, 
your motives were in line with what I was thinking, which then, of course, if I'm thinking you think the same way I'm thinking, that becomes a shame spiral, a vortex, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then, of course, you would try to pursue me in conversations and stuff, and I would feel like I was doing something wrong, and that would, I might be bad, I'm not a good wife, or I'm not thinking about it good, or So I would then get, it would get worse and worse and I would just want to go away, but that would only land on you as abandonment, which is one of your core fears. And so it just became again, like this spiraling vortex. So um, part of it uh, too, is that it feels very chaotic, storm-like. I I think of David where I think it's in Psalm 40 says, my sin surrounds me and I cannot see. So uh, you, in these moments, in your experience, you actually feel like you lose, you're no longer in the present. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. hundred percent. Like, so in the, in the scene, she is now this darker figure, quote unquote, lost soul. She's this darker figure. And Joe comes back to find her after he had hurt her and he's pursuing her and she's running away. And every time he is trying to call her back to him, she'll turn around and kind of hiss at him. And I know that that has been what I've done because in my mind, in these incidences or conversations that we would have, I believed you thought poorly of me like I thought poorly of myself. And I didn't want to have more of a conversation because I didn't want more negative messages landing on my already wounded heart. But that was the opposite of what your intentions were. But I couldn't see it because of the woundiness that I had and, and how I didn't even know these false messages were false messages because they, they've been with me my whole life. That's what I thought was true. So of course you think it's true. Of course everyone thinks it's true. That's what they mm-hmm. see. And so I wanted to run away, especially as a nine, like I want to withdraw, I want to run away, I want to um, disassociate from any of these conversations. And that would only make you more sad because you could see I was hurting and you loved me and you wanted to work things out and wanted me to see myself in the way you saw me. But that is not how I was experiencing it. No, it- at times, and we're going to get to, I want to connect this to our new book, More Than Your Number, because there are different wings and paths uh, oh, yeah. that are that very activated, very activated in yeah. this. But the other thing, too, is that she gets really big. Yeah. So she's small. Match. She's she's really small compared to Joe. Right. And um, but oh, she, she gets, gets really big. She gets like three times bigger than Joe. So as he moves towards her, she's hissing. It's, it's like a warning. Yeah. Get away. And and that's what Beth does. Mm-hmm. She these kind of like these little prompts, warnings, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, the the negative message are so loud, she gets big enough that she actually swallows up Joe. Right now, when she does that, it actually brings Joe into the little twenty two yeah. into her presence. But tell me about when is it that you get big towards me? Yeah. So if I feel um, that you see me. Or think of me in the same way this um, inner critic sees me, my inner critic. If I think, oh, yeah, see, he he thinks I'm not good enough or he, th- you know, then I, again, I hiss. But when you keep pursuing and I feel like you're, in my world, it's like you're being persistent to highlight where I'm not good enough. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Which is, so there, there's the original incident and now there's how to deal with getting spun out where I'm like, Beth, you're running away which is only another criticism. Right. And what lands on me is a criticism. That's, right. That's not your intention. Right. And so then I'm thinking you're just heaping on criticisms or negativity or whatever you want to call it. And I'm so tender and sensitive that because I carry all of the other messages from my entire life, they all come together in these moments where that's why I should get so big because all of a sudden internally these negative messages that I've been carrying become real in the moment. So like when you watch the movie and she swallows Joe, Joe is inside this uh, negative inner critic world of hers and he can see what's going on. And she is huddled down yeah. kind of in the fetal position. Like it's, It looks like a sandstorm yeah. if, when you watch the movie. And she herself is, yeah, she's huddled down in a fetal position. And you can Eyes see her, closed. yeah, her mouth is saying the very words that the inner critics around her are saying. And Joe is experiencing all of it. And so it's not just the inner negative messages or hurtful messages, like Joe was one of them. He did say hurtful things to mm-hmm. her. And he, she is seeing him saying it over her in this big um, kind of like a dust storm figure. But there are other people that are showing up that are dust-like figures as well that are also saying the negative messages that she has heard in the past. And that's what happens for me is that when I'm in those moments, it's like everything rises up to remind me of this negative person or this not good enough person, or I just need to be quiet. I need to withdraw. I need to hide. Nothing I have to offer is good enough. And because I'm like, oh yeah, see, I remember that. And I remember someone saying this and I, you know, and then. And and the interesting thing is, is that having been married to you for as long as you have, and this would be true of what you would say to me, um, it's always the, it's the same path. It's the same memories. It's the same statements. And it's it, like I'm carrying a lug, like luggage or a big backpack, you know, like you would take like on a, a book. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like 
I, they're all shoved in this backpack. And then when these incidences come up, they all just kind of flood out. Well, I mean, even I recently, uh, John Acuff released a book, I believe it's called Soundtracks. Right. And, and this is the sound, one of the soundtracks. Right. Um, and, but the, the interesting thing, and I think I would love the listeners to reflect on is they've been with us for so long, they feel true. Yes. Now, they may truly have happened. Yes. A person may have truly said those things, but that doesn't mean that's actually true of who we are, especially our identity yeah. in Christ. And because they have been with us so long and they feel so real and true, it is hard to step out or away from or back up from it to see it for what it really is. Well, uh, to be honest with you, even in my own experience dealing with these kinds of uh perceived realities or interpreted realities about my life, I hold more allegiance to those than I do people, mm. and even more than I do to God. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain element of repentance that comes with it right. that I have to let it go, uh, and I have to repent of holding it as true. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about what that looks like. But uh, I want to connect this to the book, too, because uh, these are parts of us. There's yeah. there's parts of you that are showing up. And mm-hmm. so as you can imagine for the inner critic in the message, that's mm-hmm. uh, the type one wing for you, mm-hmm. whom you call Victoria. And the reason this storm is so big is because Victoria can be so big. Right. Your term for it has been vicious. I, tell me a little bit about Victoria. Yeah, so when you look at this at this storm with 22, like we said, inside this big storm is her real, you know, self. So she's no longer this dark figure, but she's in a fetal position huddled up. That's little Bethy. That's the wounded child mm-hmm. that I experienced, that little girl inside me that has been wounded or hurt in some form or fashion. And she's just in there like trying so hard not to be hurt again. But yes, when I when I get to this place, this really dark place, usually it's my one and my three, those two parts that really chime in the most. So my type three is really kind of saying, you're not good enough. You know, you're not uh, worthwhile. Um, you're a failure as a wife, those kinds of things. But Victoria takes it up a notch. She comes in and she becomes bigger and stronger and is very critical and very judgmental and really paints a picture beyond just not successful. It, it's shame. It's not just you made a mistake. You are a mistake. You are a mistake. You are not good enough. You are bad. You are... You're a horrible wife. Right. You are a horrible mom. You're a horrible leader. I, I'm saying these things. Like, I just said that. I said, <laughs> like, I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, <laughs> Let me clarify. I'm not yeah, calling I'm you not a saying that, yeah, No. I mean, because we've obviously had these conversations all the time. So, yeah, you're just... You're just chiming in with what I've already told you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the messages that I have interpreted people saying to me. Because really in my life, I really haven't had very many people outright say horrible negative things to me. But because our minds, all nine types, mm-hmm. have false messages, those soundtracks. I mean, some types are uh, Jedis at reading people. Mm-hmm. But there's some types that are even amazing at reading people. I mean, we all read people, but there are yeah. some Jedis. Type 9s, type 2s, type 3s, type 4s are always reading. Now, we're all reading people, but right. Beth is reading people. To just You're just – this part of you I is feel, waiting. Right. I feel a lot of what's going on, but I have to now remind myself 
that I the initial hit is that I'm interpreting something that doesn't mean it's actually true and accurate. But all these years, I would take it as if it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I know what they're thinking or feeling about me. But that was going through my personality's that, that false right message. There, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. And and we're going to get into each Enneagram type and walk through, uh, walk the wheel regarding that shaming message um, and how that can get activated and uh, the fruit of that kind of behavior. But, mm-hmm. well, tell me, because there's, it's not just the, the critic part of you, uh, which the ones listening will probably, you'll resonate with all of that. But um, there's also an eight part. Like yeah. she gets really big and swallows up Joe. Yeah. Well, okay. So, well, let's back up for just a second because how it usually happens for me is, you know, my type six part is really concerned about not having safety and security in relationships because my nine wants peace and harmony, right? My nine definitely does not want to be have conflict or for you to be upset. And so my type six part is always thinking about, well, what could happen in this situation? What, how can I, how can I position our relationship in a way that everything is smooth and peaceful? So Wendy, my type six part, that's what I call her. She can be worrying Wendy or wonderful Wendy she is trying to navigate the situation so that there's peace and harmony. When that doesn't happen, that's usually when the storm starts to swirl and it can get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where Victoria is berating me with all of those memories. But um, uh, Regina, who's my type eight part, because she can be raging Regina or remarkable Regina, when she shows up, She's had it with all of the other parts inside me. So she just wants to plow over all of them. But she also wants to plow over anyone that is in my way, which is usually you. Now, of course, you and the family have said, Beth, because I always feel like it goes from like Dr. Banner to the Hulk, you know, like that big. And you're like, it's kind of like a little Hulk. <laughs> you know, it's it, and not that it's pleasant, but it's not as big as it feels to me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that are in relationship with nines will will kind of have the same reaction. But Regina just wants to plow over everyone to get them off, to get them away. So she, you know, so I can heal on my own because isolation in the moment sounds like the only way to heal or to bring appeasement to everyone else. Because if I'm not around, then there won't be a problem. Yeah. Well, I, I know that for me as a type six, uh, it's very similar responses, but it usually comes in the context of whenever I'm being accused of something. Right. When uh, I... <clears throat> blamed. Yeah, when I'm blamed. Now, I will say that a little before that in my own life, there's usually something that I'm really wrestling with. And so I may have already started to disengage. So Beth knows when my nine part, uh, I call him mm-hmm. Phil, shows up because mm-hmm. there's certain behaviors that says like Jeff is shutting down. Right. And, and withdrawing in, in, in the, some in form. the darkest of my seasons, you've actually seen it and would call my friends to say, hey, Jeff needs some help. And and I'm not causing drama. No, I'm opposite. not big. I'm not arguing. Mm-mm. I have gotten very, very quiet and small. Like not like small sure. internally. Like I can tell that you have really gone like what I experienced as a nine. Like I just want to get a small and isolated. Maybe that will solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what I start seeing happening with you. And so whenever I experience like these or even precursors to this in our arguments, if I start to feel like I've made enough mistakes that I've, I'm beyond repair, mm-hmm. I actually get much bigger 
and much and more anxious oh, sure. and start pursuing. Yeah. Now, uh, if you put five in there, uh, call him Bob, mm-hmm. the wing, put in there, because I'll become counselor, Jeff. I'll try to counsel us out of this, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, there might be seven-like tendencies where I'll start to look to other things to kind of ease the anxiety in my life at the same time. You know, within my tri-type, I mean, I, I always go between eight and nine, but you know, there's a, there's a big part of my heart that I can get big with you mm-hmm. and the kids. Yeah. I mean, being a counterphobic six has a lot of eight like qualities, especially when you feel threatened, um, with instability for you in particular in relationship. Now, some sixes it's instability with like, let's say finances or physical health or, uh, group dynamics. But for you, it's particularly very, strong when there is instability in our our Mm. one-to-one relationship and so for me what the in the storm it's you you don't know enough there is no more security you you are alone now yeah and it's all your fault yeah it's a, I mean, I remember one time in a church situation um, that it, it was probably we were headed out the door and I I would just remember saying to a group of other pastors I was doing some training with, like, yeah, I think I'm going to be uh, let go, and I, I think I'm the reason why this church isn't growing. Mm. And a veteran pastor just looked at me and said, <laughs> Jeff, uh, you're, you're not that powerful. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I, I felt like I was some kind of cancer to the church, and I was the reason why things don't work. And, well, and I bring it to a lot of things. Right. I was going to say, that, and that's so good for, I think, the listeners to think about is, so I come into a space with my soundtracks as a type nine, that I'm not good enough, that my presence doesn't matter. I need to just withdraw. Don't show much of yourself. Don't assert yourself. Those are all ingrained messages. And I basically am interpreting cer- certain situ- certain situations based off of those soundtracks and then oh see this is confirming that this is real and true and that isn't necessarily what the situation of the person is communicating for you you come into it thinking i can't trust myself and i'm going to mess this up it will be my responsibility that things go awry and so you have interpreted a lot of your relationships and work environments from that place would you agree Mm -hmm. Yes. If if someone I'm in a relationship with distance from me for some reason, I will immediately think it's because of something that I did. Yeah. Um it I yeah, that runs I am the first one to accept responsibility. And that's why to be quite honest with you why repentance and making apologies can be used in unhealthy ways <laughs> sure. in my life because it, it's a way of trying to secure something. But it could be out of my own diminishment that I actually didn't do anything that would warrant that. They could be just having a bad day, but I've interpreted it personally. Well, and and this is one of the reasons why um, – how the Enneagram can be helpful. But we have to move beyond the descriptions of each Enneagram type Mm -hmm. to actually learning how to work with what we're experiencing Mm -hmm. and to be able to pivot in the moments. Because here's the thing. While all of this is happening internally for you and I, there is also a part of us that knows the truth. There's part of us that knows that this is our pattern and we've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. There's a part of us that knows and believes what Jesus has said and done. So it's not either or, but it's a both and. Mm -hmm. But there's certainly this 
these other parts of us with this negative messaging are profoundly scared Mm -hmm. and they want to protect and we have allegiance to them that we need to pivot from, we need to turn away from. And so what we're going to do here is, and we'll, we'll talk through that kind of core message that when experienced, perceived, interpreted, um, that what that looks like in our lives and the patterns that that translates to. But the other thing I want to remind you of is that, and you can find this in a variety of different places, but we talk a lot about our aware acrostic as mm. a tool. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, one Awaken, awaken to what's happening in your body, in your mind, in your gut, and your thoughts and your feelings. Okay, and just name what's happening. So, like for you, Beth, I mean, when this is starting to happen, where do you start to feel it first? Um, usually in my gut. Yeah, you know, because I'm I'm sensing a shift in like energy. Like I can feel maybe you're feeling maybe frustrated or concerned or whatever it is. If it's not like peaceful and harmonious and everyone's good and happy, that even little shift, like the alarms go off within me. Yeah, my stomach will tighten up a little bit. uh, And it's almost like a car engine. Mm -hmm. I notice that my thoughts start to rev up a little bit. Right. Like like I'm going to be on. I will say too, sadness is usually an entry point for me Mm. um, that I, like I've done something, maybe it's more guilt. Uh, there's guilt that I've done something wrong, yeah. and that immediately translates into I've got to make repair as quickly as possible, and right. then that's because when the your core come. fear as a six is abandonment mm-hmm. and the loss of uh, security in relationships, yes. and so um, and not having that guidance and and support. So and like for you know for me, I'm just afraid of tension and conflict of all kinds. So it, that's why the core motivations is so important. And yet, at the same time, so many other aspects of the Enneagram can come into play to give us really great clarity and understanding. So A is for awaken, W is for welcome. So don't walk away from these experiences, but welcome them. The only way out of it is through it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to learn a lot about your heart, about your story, and about the care that God extends to you Mm -hmm. by engaging with these stories. Yeah, so Um, like welcoming, like from a non-judgmental place, you know, how can we look at this younger part of ourself, this wounded part with care and kindness. It's not permissiveness. It's not saying, oh yeah, keep keep doing it. You're mm-hmm. you're great. No, it's it's how are you hurting? How can I attune myself to you? What do you need? I'm reminded of uh, Jesus or uh, God's question to Hagar, and uh, I think it's in uh, Genesis where He says, uh, "Where have you come from, and where are you going?" It's really just asking ourselves this question. The, those two questions about what what's happened, yeah. what brought you to this place, he understands all of it, but it's helping us to become aware of it and yeah. welcome these experience. Um, the next one is ask, so it's a, mm-hmm. uh, aware a w a. Uh, it's asking both these parts of us, what are you experiencing right now? But number two, it's asking the Holy Spirit to help us interpret it because mm-hmm. we have a pattern <laughs> of interpreting these things. And in so it's hard way. to get yeah. out or trans. <laughs> I use the word transcends and my kids love to make fun of me for it. But we, we it transcend the pattern. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. And so we get, we get to get out. We have to detach from it. Yeah. Okay. We have to est- uh, establish a boundary with it because otherwise we're enmeshed with the mm-hmm. loyalty uh, with that part. Um, the next one is to receive, receive truth, uh, receive the truth of, okay, yeah, this has been a pattern in my life. I, I recognize and take responsibility for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also uh, receive 
the painful truths about it, about the harmful experiences where these took place, and that mm-hmm. these are efforts uh, for our body to try to bring its own healing. It's our bodies trying to grieve. It's we're trying to let the sadness play itself out. Um, but these unhealthier parts of us can uh, actually lead us in the wrong direction. And it's also receiving the truth of what God has told us. Right. It's being being reminded <laughs> of. Uh, all that Jesus is for us in his life, death, and resurrection. Now but also spirit. receive the truth of who we are when we're at our healthiest. Because I know for me, you know, it's so easy sometimes to look at the Enneagram and just kind of instantly hone in on our negative aspects. Like as humans, we just kind of naturally do that. But God created us to reflect him. He created us in unique ways. We're the body of Christ. And so what does it look like when we're at our healthiest? What does it look like for our type to reflect him mm-hmm. and to receive that, not push it aside or um, be like, oh, no, I can never be like that. Like, no, like he can work in and through us to become more like him. And then the last one is engage, engaging in a new way. So at the beginning and understanding these shame cycles, it may simply be uh, telling your spouse, your friend, or whoever it is that you're in relationship with, this is starting to happen for me. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know how to stop it yet, but I just know that I'm going down this path and I need to take a break or step away. Mm-hmm. Uh, at later other times, it's recognizing, like, I, I, I heard you say can you explain what it is that you were intending to say? Right. So there's a way of engaging without becoming too flooded in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's some situations where it may not be right for you to be in relationship with people if there's continued harm. So I want to – that all of the opportunities, there's a lot of opportunities for growth in applying this. But just be gentle with yourself. It's uh, – as Paul says in Romans, it's kindness that leads to repentance, mm-hmm. to be kind to these parts of our hearts because they carry these very weighty stories. Right. So for the next 10, 15 minutes, what we'd like to do is just mm-hmm. walk through the core message for each type. Uh, and then we're, yeah, and then we'll just close it out there. But and for you to begin thinking, maybe go pick up uh, the movie Soul, go rent it, um, and then capture this uh, very provocative scene to help capture what your experience of your shame cycles are. But think about it in terms of your Enneagram type. So if you're in a safe relationship with someone and can watch this and actually dialogue and have a conversation about it afterward, I encourage you to do that. It might be a great healing opportunity for you to be able to name and extend kindness to your experience. Well, before we go into the nine types, one thing I want to point out is when you watch the movie Soul and you're seeing this scene, which is kind of towards the end, just to let people know, when you're watching this it's that Joe is pursuing reconciliation and restoration for their relationship, but also for her. And he got a glimpse in his mind um, before he started um, pursuing that of how to connect with her. And so you'll see what ended up connecting with her. But I think that's an important thing that a lot of times you would pursue me and try to have reconciliation restoration, but you would do it from your sixth way, thinking, well, this is how I love well. It was coming from an anxious attachment styles, and it was overwhelming to you. Right. But you really thought you were giving the best of what you have to offer. I don't know if I felt like I was offering my best. Well, sometimes you you do. S- sometimes. <laughs> Anyway. I think you give me more confidence than I think I ever have. Anyway, (laughs) 
The point is, is as you and I have learned about ourselves individually better, as we've done this work and used aware and taken a step back and seeing how our wounded child and our parts are getting all activated and what is what do they need to have real restoration and reconciliation? Mm-hmm. Then the letting the other person know, you know what, I appreciate that you're pursuing me, but actually what would be more beneficial or what would land on me better is if it comes in this form or fashion. And that's where the power of the Enneagram can come in because you have learned over the years how... <clears throat> You have learned over the years how to navigate my heart in these situations, not in a in an unhealthy way, but a very healthy way. Like you become very patient and very kind and understanding. But I've also had to do the work to see what you're doing and to receive it and accept it instead of allowing those negative thoughts to just pop up all the time. So I just want people to recognize that when you're in relationship with other people, the Enneagram can be an amazing tool to learn how to navigate these situations for in the way the other person needs it, not the way you want to just give it. So Beth, let's start with type nine. And for them, the, one of their core desires is to connect, stay connected with people and to bring joy, happiness, peace to their relationships. Right. But what happens in those moments whenever someone appears to be disappointed with them, mm-hmm. unhappy with them, or they've made a mistake and they're being accused of something yeah. that can put them into a downward spiral. Now, the nine could be have been reading people. Uh, there's an accommodating part of their heart that's always reading people, and they've picked up these messages along the way of when people aren't happy, it's the nine's fault, and they need to do something about it. Mm. And so that can lead a nine down the path of, I am a disappointment, I'm not enough, that I, I can't make people happy, and I must be wrong. Right. So, Bethy, why don't you share just a little bit about the type nine and their shame spiral? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly, you know, what I feel is if I sense anyone, especially like let's say in our family, is not happy or fine or content, whatever word you want to put to it, I just feel a panic to fix it, to make everyone happy um, so that we can all be okay. Um, But I really feel guilty and like I've done something wrong or why couldn't I have um, avoided this situation? But what I need to learn is that that is the wounded part of my heart that thinks that I can make everyone happy, that I can make all situations fun and glorious and perfect and serene, but that's not my job. Mm -hmm. And I need to remind myself that that is God's job and that I am here to to receive other people, to be not judgmental, to assert my voice, to develop myself and to bring to the world the gifts that I have as a type nine in such a way that is healthy and true. And you're going to get that by developing yourself in other areas of your life that's going to give you confidence in these other more relational mm-hmm. or more meaningful relationships right. That where it might be a little bit harder. So mm-hmm. show up in your life and you're going to find yourself showing up in these tough situations. Right. Okay, so let's talk about type ones. We'll yep. go in that direction. So we started with nines, but we're going to head to ones first so instead of going backwards. Okay, so the type ones, um, what can really get them into that shame cycle is when they see and experience imperfections that are happening in life, whether it's in them or 
uh, other people I, mean, or I can world. really see the ambivalence there of whether or not ex- external mistakes are being made mm-hmm. and then they start to feel like I don't know how to correct this without harming people because when I do speak people get offended by me or hurt right. by me and so but then the inner critic jumps in right so then the inner critic you know they have a loud berating inner critic it's like a megaphone at their ear it is constantly pointing out the imperfections again of whether it's themselves others or the world something that's happening and it won't stop until they or someone fixes it. And so this really builds up this internal judgment and criticism, shame, guilt, responsibility, and it eventually spills out. And again, where that shame cycle comes in, you'll start to see them criticizing others or judging others or being prickly or kind of cold or curt in their speaking manner, which actually only creates more issues. So for the type one, what we're wanting them to recognize is that it is not their responsibility to correct and fix the world. It's not their responsibility to be the the perfect one. Christ was the perfect one on our behalf. He not only removes our sins and debts, but he also gives us his righteousness. And so when the type one recognizes that for themselves, they are able to realize that God is sovereign, God is almighty, and he has accomplished all that they feel is on their plate to accomplish. And one of the themes that I hope that everybody picks up on too uh, is that shame, ha- uh, there, there's movements within whenever shame, we're experiencing shame. Every Enneagram type will isolate. It's not just one type. So even a one may isolate. A seven may isolate. Uh, I know that it's true for nines and sixes. So there's a movement of of isolation, but there's also a movement against. So there's also a a defensive mechanism to kind of push something away. And even the most avoidant types may actually come out aggressively towards another to try to move people away in relationship in order for the vulnerability and the shame to not be experienced any further. So even for the one, they may move towards you Mm -hmm. and kind of with anger, resentment, um, judgment, judgment, uh, criticism, Mm -hmm. and they may move away where some ones are just berating themselves for what's actually happening. And that's the opposite of what the Holy Spirit does, right? That's right. A lot of times ones think that's the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is kind, gentle, peaceful. Well, and that's true for all the Enneagram types sure. because yeah. we often think that this is what God thinks of us. Sure. And the reality is is that it that message is being carried by us. Right. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit that is to remind us of all the things that Christ has And that's where like in the acronym aware when you ask clarifying questions from the Lord, but then you need to receive what's actually true. What's true is what is the inner critic like and what is the Holy Spirit like? Yes. And which one are we listening to? So type two, they uh, have these false messages that it is not okay to have their own needs. It's not okay to have their own emotions. It's not okay to ask for help. Okay, so the type two, when they start to have feelings or needs, they repress them. And they just start focusing on others. And so what you'll see is kind of the reverse effect. Instead of kind of withdrawing, you'll see them insert themselves into other people's lives. They become hyper-focused on who needs what because they feel they don't have worth, that they're dispensable. And so in order to feel worth, they're wanting to find those that have need and then insert themselves with confidence. Oh, I've got you. Just do this. Or here, you'll need that and hoping that others will show appreciation. But 
if it's not asked for, that inserting of their help can be off-putting to the other person. It can almost feel like, wow, I guess you think I'm, I'm not good enough. I need your help. And so then that person might push back or even say, I don't want your help or I don't need you, which really can start a downward spiral for the, for the two, believing that, see, I am not loved and wanted. I've tried to give the best of what I have to offer. But a healthier path for the two is to recognize they do have needs and emotions and that's okay and that's good. And to recognize that God, our father, pursues them to give them all they need and to nurture them and to care for them. You can't give to others if you are an empty vessel and twos often poor and poor and poor and they have nothing internally. We need to to help them to recognize, be uh, poured into by Christ's love and his truth and his gospel message. And I would imagine for twos that, you know, you carry experiences of where your generosity has actually been taken advantage of, mm. and then someone has uh, just moved away from you, or you've actually experienced real rejection. There's also a part uh, where you're carrying stories in your mind of when you've transgressed boundaries into other people's lives, and maybe they've said some harsh things to you, and carrying those messages that whenever you start to feel rejection, they actually get more amplified due Mm -hmm. to the shame, and then you start to isolate, or you become uh, more aggressive with other people, inserting yourself and telling people you're more judgmental and critical. That can get you into those cycles, but like what Beth is saying is that really those are the opportunities that, uh, as I've come come in my own mind to realize, it's almost like those are the opportunities for you to write your own psalms like Mm -hmm. David did, that these are the moments where you have the opportunity, you're not going to solve the problem yourself. You're not going to solve the problem by changing other people. Mm. The problem gets solved whenever we invite the Holy Spirit into this moment that our hearts can come to rest with how we've tried to find life apart from Jesus. Yeah. Great. Let's talk about type three. All right. So type threes, they'll have kind of the false message that it's not okay to have their own identity and their own emotions. And there'll be this flood of information of fear of being exposed for not being admirable to not being successful or achieving and that other people are going to see like this authentic person that Mm -hmm. they are and that they're worthless that they don't have anything to offer and so they will get into a shame spiral it's so significant to go from i i want to be admired in this team to i am worthless right that's you certainly know that that's part of the shame cycle is when Mm -hmm. you're starting use categories catastrophic categories right and so for the threes they are really fearful of being exposed and so they're constantly, whether knowingly or unknowingly, putting on a persona or an achieving mask for others to see and admire. But we all are exposed at some form or another for what's really going on under the hood. And that is terrifying for them. And shame can really well up in those moments and really get them on a trajectory um, where it's really harmful for them. Um, And so what we want threes to recognize is that God sees their emotions, sees their true identity. He created them and loves them. And that it's okay for them just to be, simply just be themselves. And they are loved and cherished right there in all of their shame and all of their glory and all of their achievements and all of their failures. That God's got them and he not only has them there, but he also has given them 
his perfect accomplishments. So that when God looks at them, he sees this righteousness, this accomplishment, their identity that's in Christ. Uh, and, and there's so many ways for a type three. You can see them over-functioning whenever there's shame at play by because they're they're always seeking to accomplish, to fulfill, to become more efficient, to become more uh, productive mm-hmm. as a way of winning people back. Um, and there's also this part of their hearts that can become critical and judgmental towards others as well. Mm-hmm. But threes can also quite surprisingly actually uh, isolate themselves because they don't like the experience. We're all vulnerable, It's uh, and we just don't like the reality that we live vulnerably in our life mm-hmm. because we're always reading other people's reactions to us and whether or not we're accepted or not. And for the threes, that part of their heart that's reading the room to become what the, this room wants as the successful person actually is used against themselves where they start to judge themselves and become much more critical of themselves that they can't be what they think they need to be mm-hmm in order to feel safe. Well, good. So let's move on to type fours. So type fours, um, they have a false message that they are um, either too much or not enough. And for the fours, they feel like there's something defective and flawed inside them. And they really want to know that they are loved and seen for exactly who they are, this special and authentic, unique person. Um, But they feel like others don't understand them. And so a wave of emotions will come over them, a feeling that they're, they're defective and flawed. And this can cause a push and pull in relationships. They're looking for someone to attune to them, to understand them. But when they start seeing that that's not happening, they're also pushing away. And they can really find themselves in isolation and really trying to process their emotions um, and kind of almost develop or enhance this idealized version of themselves, which is unattainable. And so then it kind of uh, wreaks havoc with with them internally with more shame. And so what we want fours to recognize is the healthy path for them is what's called equanimity, which is which is emotional balance. Now, a lot of times fours hear that and they think, oh, see, they're just trying to get rid of my emotions. No, like when we look at Christ as our perfect example, he was crying in the Garden of Gethsemane so much so that he was sweating uh, drops of blood. He also wept when Lazarus died. Like he was a man of true, authentic emotions. And yet, at the same time, while he was experiencing those deep emotions, he was able to stay emotionally sober and emotionally mindful of what uh, his father was calling him to do and to walk that path as well. You know, when I think of fours and how it relates to the gospel, they're they experience ambivalence and shame over being too much, being not enough. They're too isolated or they're too involved in reading other people to find their valuable their value and to be seen. And to the real gift or I should say invitation, the real invitation to the type 4 is to experience the kindness, compassion and mercy of God to the empathy of God. To in that moment of ambivalence, that I don't have to find my value by retreating from others to protect. I don't have to find my value in reading others to affirm or to help me to organize that I can be okay in my own person Mm -hmm. because of what Jesus has done for me. Great. Type fives. So the type fives, they're going to feel that their needs are too much, that they're a problem, that no one else can handle them. 
So what they'll do is they'll try to minimize their feelings. They'll try to detach from their emotions and try to handle it themselves. Well, this can come across to others as being cold or a recluse or not interactive, not warm in relationship. And so they might find that others are trying to pursue them even harder. Well, they also fear um, experiencing catastrophic depletion because for them, they need a lot of time alone to process their thoughts and feelings and to recharge. And so when others are feeling this distance or these barriers or boundaries that are being put up because the five's like, oh, I can't, it's too much um, interaction with others, others might actually intrude even harder. And this can then bring great fear that they're going, it's going to lead them to catastrophic Mm -hmm. depletion internally. And so what we want fives to recognize is that through Christ, your needs, your emotions um, are in your your feeling of having this empty internal reservoir, not having enough energy is no problem for him. In fact, he delights as a good shepherd would in taking good care of you. And so he delights in restoring you and providing for you. But we also need to learn how to do it in ways that are beneficial for you and those that are around you. And so the more that you can recognize when these are happening and communicate it in a way that others can understand the time you need to restore, the time you need to process your thoughts and emotions, and yet also the good um, interactions that you and others will need with you, those sweet relationships, that is going to bring a lot of peace and restoration within a type five. You know, when I think about type fives, there's a surprising element of fives with uh, arrogance and aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, understand that that's usually a sign that they're getting protective of shaming messages behind it. But then number two, the isolation and not mm-hmm. availing themselves of the relationships that are the most meaningful to them and isolating more, almost playing relationally dumb uh, that be- that they don't know how to engage in these kinds of situations because they're really overwhelmed with shame. And so they want to isolate even further. But the reality is, is that Christ extends to them the same kind of grace and mercy that they can be seen, but it's hard for a five to admit that they feel the need to be seen. But that's where you're going to find an experience of God's grace. All right. Well, let's talk about type six, your type. And so the type sixes, they struggle with the ongoing thought and belief that they can't trust themselves, that they have to look outside themselves. Do other people not think that? <laughs> uh, how, no. how arrogant are you all? Uh, you have no clue how much you can't trust yourself. Right, right. So the type sixes believe that they have to look outside themselves for a trusted belief system or mentor or authority figure. And yet at the same time, you struggle to trust them as well. <laughs> and so it's like you you're laugh. stuck. How dare you laugh <laughs> at my wounds? That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Um So for the type six, what can happen is when you start to doubt your own self and believe that it's your responsibility to fix and to secure relationships or to secure, um, you know, money or food or shelter, whatever the fear is for the six, they will push through in their fear, but they also will start to look for help outside them. But when they start to be suspicious and question others as well, you're going to start to see their mind really racing because they're anxious that they're not going to find the guidance that they need. And so they start pushing those that get suspicious away. And that can create their own worst fear that 
um, others aren't safe because they're going to be frustrated mm-hmm. by that. And then how could I have trusted that person in the first place? See, I shouldn't have trusted myself because I, I trusted them. And so it becomes this, again, shame vortex. And so what we want them to recognize is that their inner committee that is chiming in with all these different thoughts and perspectives, um, when unattended to, can create self-sabotage and a lot of shame. But Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is the one that brings clarity. Because sixes are super mm-hmm. discerning, but they don't trust it. And so when they listen to the Holy Spirit, who is guiding them internally, that inner voice that the Holy Spirit, and they trust it and move forward in it, they're going to start to see great security arise because the security is in the Holy Spirit and what he's saying, not in their own thoughts or some else or some other persons. And Psalm 32 has been a passage that's been very dear to my heart, that I will teach you, instruct you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. This natural inclination for sixes to reach out to something outside of ourselves is actually a part of all of our humanity. Mm -hmm. And sixes invite us to that kind of faith. But when we try to find that in people or information or systems, it actually is a form of self-sabotage. And the more that we are committing ourselves or trying to seek those out is actually a sign of, uh, of shame that's happening inside of us. Because the more we give ourselves to them and they don't come through for us, the more shame we feel that we even tried, and we can be, then begin to isolate us from the very life-giving relationships that we have with God and from others. All right, let's talk about type seven, and then we have one after that, type eight, and we'll round it off. So type sevens, they have this ongoing message in their mind, this false message that they can't trust anyone to come through. They can't depend on anyone to provide them with the full uh, satisfaction and contentment that they're seeking. Um, and so they believe it's up to me. I've watched people all these years. They never come through for me. I still have this insatiable desire inside me to feel content and satisfied. So they kind of, in some ways, push people aside and go after what they're, what they think will bring that satisfaction. And especially if people are trying to restrict them, control them, deprive them, um, they definitely are going to really push forward in their own path and because they believe that they can come through for them. Now, the problem is, is that they, others in the world, cannot bring them the ultimate satisfaction, the contentment they long for. It is through what Christ has given them, and for them to be in be in the blessings, to savor the blessings, to see them, to have gratitude, that is when they actually are going to, to experience the satisfaction and contentment they long for. It's not in things, it's not in experiences, but it's in the person, mm-hmm. the work of Christ. It's usually surprising to people whenever sevens start moving to, and they start having this critical kind of oneness part of how they relate to the world. Mm-hmm. But once again, this becomes a symptom of the shame that they're experiencing. Now, here's the other thing about shame in sevens is that, you know, as with all of our kind of gluttonous type behaviors where we idolatrous, idolatrously pursue something to satisfy is that once we've completed, we also experience a kind of a repercussion of shame. And so it can actually, in all of the attempts to cover shame, create more uh, shame for the type seven. Now, but it's in this running. I mean, it's it's amazing to think about how often mm-hmm. Jesus caught people when they were running from him, yeah. but he always welcomed them whenever he found them. 
Okay, so type eights, uh, you know, for them, they believe that they can't trust anyone but themselves. And because they really believe ultimately that most people, if not all people, will at some point harm, control, or betray or blindside them. So what you'll see is that when they start to feel or think or assume that others are trying to manipulate them or control them or possibly harming them, they are going to be fierce protectors of themselves. They can become intense, they can become blunt, and they're going to use their strength to make sure that others back off and do not harm them. But it can become very intense and aggressive in ways that they don't usually even know how intense they're coming across, which ultimately people respond back to with um, different um, responses that can sometimes even surprise the eight. Like, why are you so upset? Or why are you? And they're like, but you're being so harsh or so mean or so blunt, so intense. And the eight just doesn't feel the power, the intensity that they exude. And so you'll find the eights then defending themselves even more and getting upset and controlling even more if they're not willing to take a step back, like we've talked about with the AWARE, an acronym, take a step back and see what's going on and to own the intensity or the control or um, the protectiveness that, that they're coming with and learn how to adjust that. And they can do that when they remind themselves that um, they are protected by their good shepherd, that he experienced the most you know, control over him. He was betrayed. He was harmed. He was even killed. He knows exactly what the aides are looking for. And he's the one that can bring that safety, that security, and that protection. It's only through the good shepherd that they can actually have what they're longing for, not through their intensity, not through their control, um, but through Jesus Christ. And I think for eights, it's honesty uh, around vulnerability right. that is the invitation for them to receive grace and to, and to actually grow. Absolutely. Because otherwise, now they're going to say that they're always honest. They are. But they're honest in a self-protective way right. There's a difference that pushes between... people away so that they don't feel betrayal or harm. And this is true for everyone. There's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency is where we have calculated uh, what we're going to share with others and that if others use that to kind of come back and harm us, we've calculated it enough going, I think I'm okay there. You know, I'm okay with this transparency. Like it's not going to be fun if someone hurts me, but I don't care that much. Vulnerability though, is if someone used this against me, it would greatly hurt and harm me. And so vulnerability is a really tricky point for the eight and for all of us, but for the eight, because they have a very tender heart inside that if hurt and wounded, they don't know what that is actually going to mean for them. So they protect it at all costs. Mm -hmm. But the path to growth for them is to learn to be vulnerable uh, first and foremost with Christ. That's awesome. Well, we hope you found this helpful talking about the movie Soul by Disney, uh, where we talk about the idea of our own shame spirals and what that looks like, how we treat ourselves and how we treat others, and applying that to each of the Enneagram types. Uh, there is a way, a path forward to experience God's grace with just the simple insights of understanding our Enneagram type. Don't forget to be uh, to take a look at the Aware Acrostic that's in our new book, More Than Your Number, that released uh, back in in September. It's a great opportunity for you to learn how to relate to yourself in a new way that's going to bear fruit in all of your relationships in all of your life. And in the book, you'll also find in the very back 
basically cheat sheets on your type and the parts that are connected to your uh, type and you will quickly see how these shame, uh, shame cycles start and the path to growth. So definitely check out that book, More Than Your Number. Some of the insights that we've shared today um, are part of how we train our certified coaches that uh, there's now globally in over 20 different countries. You can go and find an Enneagram coach in your area or someone that can help you to uh, face some of the difficulties that you may be facing. So if you go over to myenneagramcoach.com, you can find one of our coaches near you or someone who can actually help you to experience the life that you desire. We're so thankful that you decided to join us for this particular episode. Uh, next up, we're going to be talking about the movie Inside Out and uh, how that helps us understand our Enneagram types, actually. Yeah. And the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It is the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us.